Good morning, North Church. You doing well? I apparently am not. Pardon me. I've been a, lately I've been in the season, I'm trying to upgrade my wardrobe. Uh, and in particular, my shoe game has been a point of emphasis. So, so you can imagine how awkward it was when I got here this morning and realized, oops, I put on my slippers instead of my boots. How do these things happen? When you wear the wrong shoes, it lets everybody around you know you have no idea about the context in which you find yourself. No idea what's expected in that environment, what's expected of you, or your ability to do anything about it. And you end up wearing things that are completely inappropriate. Now, I have some dear friends who would say, oh, there's nothing inappropriate with that at all. In fact, Scott, if you would add pajamas to the slippers, that would be great because every time you get up to preach, you put us to sleep faster than a triple shot of NyQuil. And if you don't have friends like that, you need to get some. They keep you grounded, they keep you humble, and they help you laugh at yourself, which is incredibly important. But here's the deal. If you show up to a basketball practice in flip-flops, if you show up to the prom in army boots, if you show up to your job at the construction site in high heels, if you show up to preach in slippers, you're going to hear about it. You are going to get a lot of grief, and nobody will take you seriously because you've demonstrated that you just have no clue about the context and the reality of where you are. Wearing the wrong shoes will make you awkward, it will make you ineffective, and it will keep you embarrassed. And, and so there comes a time, once you realize, oops, I've made a terrible mistake, I'm wearing the wrong shoes, you gotta acknowledge it, you gotta admit it, and you gotta say, I'm taking the wrong shoes off, and I'm gonna figure out where the right shoes are. <laughs> hey, that's not bad. <laughs> See, the right shoes, the right shoes send an entirely other message. They let you know, they let people know that you're aware of what you're up against, what you're trying to accomplish, and that you're prepared to do that. About 500 years ago, Martin Luther began what would become the Protestant Reformation, right? And as a, as a priest, he looked around and he, he came to this conclusion that the Word of God, the Holy Scriptures, should be the utter foundation for everything he did, everything he said, everything he taught, and everything that he practiced. And as he looked around at the church that he was a part of, he realized some of these things don't seem to match with Scripture. And, the, and he got more and more concerned. He gave more and more voice to the fact that Scripture must be primary. And practice and tradition and ritual and everything else should be secondary. And he started letting people know where he saw that the practices of the church he was a part of were different than what he read in Holy Scripture. And he said, this is not okay. And it got him into a lot of trouble with the church because he was speaking out against them. And so they called him in and pulled him in for a trial and put his life on the line and said, Martin Luther, you must retract what you have said. You must recant these teachings. And Martin Luther very famously said, my conscience is captive to the word of God. I will not recant anything for to go against my conscience is neither safe nor right. He said, here I stand. I can do no other. It's fantastic, right? 
few months ago, we celebrated the 500th anniversary of the Reformation, right? I had some friends who went back to Germany to celebrate that. They stopped by the Martin Luther House, and they bought me a pair of socks from the Martin Luther House, and stitched into them are the phrase, here I stand, I can do no other. So when I'm in a context where I want to remind myself that it's time to preach the word of God and nothing else, that every piece of doctrine, every piece of teaching, every bit of conduct that we recommend should have its roots in scripture and nowhere else, I wear the appropriate footwear. That's what the appropriate footwear does. And our current series, Stand Strong, is built on kind of a basic premise that Paul gives us in the book of the Ephesians. And the premise is this, that as followers of Jesus Christ, we are active combatants in a state of war. It's not a political war. It's not a military war. It's not a battle against people, necessarily. It's a state of spiritual warfare against what Paul calls rulers and powers and authorities. That is our context. That's our reality. And Paul tells us that with that as our context and that as our reality, we need to dress accordingly. And then he lays out the different requirements for those who are waging this war of the Spirit. This is what he says. He says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Pastor Nate spoke about that a couple weeks back. And with the breastplate of righteousness in place. Pastor Mike spoke about that last week. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Paul says you are going into battle and you better have the right shoes. But before we jump all the way to the shoes, I want to make a more general comment about the spiritual battle and about spiritual warfare as well. Very often, and I guess most often, when I talk with people about spiritual warfare, what I hear is a conversation that's very individualized and very personalized about about my individual experience of battle and warfare. I encountered this temptation from the enemy. I experienced this particular kind of spiritual resistance from the devil. This is how the devil is at war with me. This is the battle that I am fighting right now. And those things are real. Those things are legitimate. I would never take anything away from them. But here's the deal that we must understand with spiritual warfare. That just like in, in actual physical warfare, what gives significance to the individual battle that an and individual battle experience that a single soldier might encounter, it's not just the life and death nature of his struggle right there with the person that he's contending with. There's a much bigger picture in play, right? The point of the war is not this soldier against that soldier in this moment to see who will survive. The point of the battle, the point of the war, is that there is something more important than their own individual lives that they are contending for. And while the battle rages one-on-one, -on -one, uh, up close, big picture, everyone's contending for a much greater prize and for something of much greater significance, defending a way of life that they hold dear, trying to um, overthrow tyranny and, and to set people free or whatever, right? But a good soldier, a successful soldier, knows it's not just about my battle with this other soldier. I'm part of this great force that's moving forward towards something that's bigger and better and more significant than even my own life. That's what makes them successful. Think about every great battle movie and war movie you've ever seen, right? It's this seamless transition between two soldiers battling one another, hand-to-hand, -hand, close up fight, each of them trying to stay alive and put the other, other soldier down. And then the, the director will transition 
back to a broader view and say, it's not just those two people fighting. There's a whole scope of war going on, and they're heading towards this great monumental purpose. Every individual soldier involved in individual combat understands that the real insignificance of what's going on is the overall movement of the war. And the same is true of our participation in spiritual warfare as well. Yes, the enemy will attack you spiritually. Yes, you will undergo one on, you will be battling individually in spiritual warfare. But please don't miss out that in the context of that, what's really happening is there is a great war that's taking place. And that great war is about the kingdom of God advancing and taking new ground and, uh, and getting to the point where people who are addicted are being set free of those addictions. Where people who have never met God find God and get to encounter his love and experience that maybe for the first time. It's a, it's a war that sees people who are lost in this life being found by Jesus. It's a, it's a war that's about helping people who are speeding towards hell encounter a destiny in heaven through Jesus Christ. That's what we're a part of. Our day-to-day -day struggles are about moving the kingdom of God forward and his will being done, his kingdom coming that way. That's the conflict we're waging. And if we're going to engage that successfully, we have to be wearing the right shoes, right? Now, what is it that shoes do? Why are they the significant thing here? Well, the right shoes do a number of things. They provide mobility, they provide stability, and they provide protection. That's what shoes do do, right? Your ability in your feet, get from here to there, oftentimes is about having footwear on that allows you to get from here to there. If you're a runner, you know the importance of having the right shoes to do that, for sure. They're about stability, right? Keeping us stable. And um, in particular, the, the Roman soldiers that, that Paul's describing here, they would have their shoes on, but they would uh, put pieces of metal and pieces of uh, rock and anything into the soles of the shoes so that they could, like, they would act like cleats to grab traction in whatever kind of terrain they were so that they would be stable. Because in battle, to fall down is to die. And so those shoes, the right shoes, rightly equipped, would keep you safe. They provide stability. And they would provide protection as well. Because as Rome would advance uh, on a city and the, the city was out to protect itself, they would, they would, in the field out in front of the city, they would plant sharp barbs and sharp sticks and rocks and anything they could so that an unprotected foot would step down and be skewered. And so the Roman soldiers said, yeah, we're not up for that. And so they wore shoes that would protect them against that. Um, one, of the, one of my uh, pastimes is, has been over my life to hike uh, in the Sierra Nevada mountains on the east side. have a lot of family memories there. There's one particular hike that's my favorite. It's about a 15-mile loop that kind of goes up over one pass around a side, down into a valley, up the other side, down another pass, and then completes the loop. Beautiful country. Uh, out there, kind of alone in the wilderness, it's glorious. And like you do when you hike out in mountains, you wear the right shoes, of course. And, and there was one trek in particular where the first five miles were great. I didn't think I was just enjoying the ride, right? And then the next five miles, I started to get a little bit fatigued. And in the final five miles, I could barely pick my feet up. I was so tired. And as inevitably happens when that's the case, I took one step that landed on a loose piece of shale rock, and the rock kind of clicked on over and, and fell, and my ankle went right with it, with all the weight of my body on top of it. I know. <laughs> you ever have those moments where time just slows down? 
it was like in a, in a frame by frame basis, I could feel the ankle start to roll. I could feel the tendons start to catch. I could feel the ligaments beginning to lose their grip. And then I felt that moment where the firm upper part of my hiking boot, boot caught that, suspended the motion, and allowed me to restabilize without breaking my ankle out in the middle of the wilderness. That was a great moment when the right shoe provided the right protection. I, I want to jump in all of these areas, mobility, stability, and protection. I want to I talk about our spiritual life because this is what Paul is talking about. Do you feel mobile in your spiritual life? That is when when God puts something on your heart and says, hey, I have this for you. I have this promise for you. I have this task for you. I have this mission for you. Do you find yourself ready to jump in and dive in and go because God has said so? Are you ready to mobilize? If you are, it's possible you're wearing the right shoes. But if there's a, this hesitation about, oh, God, that's going to be hard, or I'm not sure today, or I'm not sure how it's going to work out. If you find yourself hesitating when God calls you to go, it's possible you're not in the right shoes. How about stability? When life's ups and downs come, do you get rattled in your faith? When it's hard, when it's difficult, when it doesn't work out the way you thought it was going to? Are those the moments that you begin to think, maybe I should just walk away. Maybe I should just leave it all and try something different. If the difficulties of this life create an instability that, that tempts you to walk away, it's possible you're in the wrong shoes. How about protection and support? Maybe you're in a season of your life right now where if we slowed it down frame by frame, you could see every place that you're under tension and stress. You can feel the family pulling apart. You can feel the job getting pulled away from under you. One more moment and you can just feel that the health diagnosis is going to go from bad to terrible. And in that moment, if you're unprotected, if you feel vulnerable, I want to suggest that perhaps it's only the right shoes, the shoes that God recommends that will provide the protection and the support that you need desperately in the moment right where you are today. The right shoes do those things. We want those shoes and we need them. So what does Paul liken these shoes to? Well, he calls the shoes the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. What are the right shoes? The readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And I think it's hysterical that Paul links readiness with shoes. Roughly half of you in this room are the people who love being on time. And then the other half of you are people who maybe aren't so on time, right? So how do you know when it's time to leave the house, how do you know that you're ready to go? Is it because the clock chimed eight o'clock and that's the time we all agreed on? No, that does not mean you're ready to go. Does it mean that the person who loves being on time and said, hey, is everybody ready? And everybody said, sure, we're ready. Does that mean they are ready? No. It means they know what you want to hear, and it's not true, but they're going to let you hear it. I've been burned by all of these. I've come to understand that no one in my family is ready until what? Their shoes are on their feet, and they're on their way out the door. You're not ready Till you're wearing the shoes. And, and Paul says, for the battle that awaits you in this life, in this grand pursuit of the kingdom of God, you are not ready until the right shoes are on. The shoes of the readiness of the gospel of peace. And in speaking about peace, I want to talk about two different kinds of peace. 
I want to talk about peace with God, and I want to talk about peace from God. And peace from God is what we all want. I want problems to go away, or even in the middle of problems, I'd like still to have a sense of like I'm settled and I'm confident I'm going to be okay. And we want that. And sometimes we want that without realizing that before you can have that, you need the peace with God. Peace with God precedes the peace from God. And so let me talk about being at peace with God. The plain teaching of scripture is this, that part of what it is to be human, part of our very nature is to be uh, selfish, self-centered, inclined towards our own interests rather than others. We, we have this tendency towards doing things that we want rather than things that bless others. We are, to put it bluntly, sinful. We are inclined to do the things we know we're not supposed to do. And because of that, that, that nature that we share, that broken part of us that is bent towards sin, because of that, we are not at peace with the perfect God who created us. We're actually at, at enmity with him, at strife. There's hostility there, Scripture says. Our sinfulness produces a hostility towards God. And that happens before we've actually done anything wrong. We are people with a nature that is inclined to do something wrong from the day that we're born. And that puts us at hostility with God. And so that raises the question, well, how do, I get to, how do I make peace with my creator? How do I come to a relationship that's not hostility, and it's not war, it's peace? And we try lots of things. The most common is this, I'm going to improve myself. I'm going to get better. I'll try harder to be good. I'll try to break those habits. I'll try to establish some new ones. I'll find a better group of people to hang out with. I'll try really hard, and eventually I'll be good enough to be at peace with God. But the scripture says this, it's never going to happen. It can't happen. Scripture says that there's one way that peace with God happens, and it's this. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. How do we come to peace with God? Not by becoming better in our own strength. If you're, if you're trying to get good enough for God, you're wearing the wrong shoes. The right shoes, the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace is understanding the good news that when Christ died his death on the cross, that was, that was the payment for your sin and for mine. And that when God raised him from the dead, that was his indication that that sacrifice was sufficient. And now all that falls to you and me to do is in faith, in belief, say, Jesus, yes, I want that. I'm tired of trying to be good enough on my own. I'm going to entrust myself to what Christ did on the cross and in faith believe that that establishes a right relationship with God. Many of us in this room have done that and, and kind of given the rest of our lives to being followers of Jesus. If you haven't, I'm going to give you a chance to do that here in just a little bit. But, but before that, what follows on the heels of coming to peace with God in relationship is the peace of God that he gives those who will follow him. Paul wrote this, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and will guard your minds in Christ Jesus. There is a peace that God provides that comes from no place else. The reason that that peace transcends all understanding, the reason it doesn't necessarily make sense to many people, is simply this. It's not about the circumstances. It's not about the situation. It's not about how hard things are. It's simply about God's nature, his love and his care, and his, his person, who he is and how much he loves us. 
and then his presence, that he is with us, that provides the peace. So many of us, maybe right now or maybe recently or maybe not too distant into the future, we hit these seasons of life that are really hard, right? Where things, aren't, things are not going according to the plan, whatever that, whatever that plan may be. Where things aren't working out the way I anticipated. This is not the cruise I signed up for. I didn't anticipate it being this difficult. And the natural inclination for many of us when things are hard but we desperately need some sense of peace is I'm going to overcome that. I'll try harder at work. I'll invest more deeply in that relationship. I'll try and fix it this way. I'll try to earn enough money to insulate myself against the problem. I'll try to accomplish enough at work and get enough accomplishment and recognition that I'll feel good about myself. I'll try to do whatever it takes by buying and acquiring toys and vacations and experience that can just numb my sense of desperation. I'll try whatever drug is available so that I just don't have to feel the sense of dread that I feel I'm desperately looking for peace. And all of those attempts are simply wearing the wrong shoes. Because the peace that, that our very souls are crying out for are not found in finances and recognition and accomplishment or experiences. The peace that our souls are crying out for is found only through the presence of God and the loving care that he offers us. That is where the peace is to be found. And so I want to offer us this morning a chance to respond in one of two different ways. Real clearly, and real definitively. And the guys are going to come out. They'll play some music for us and stuff. But I want to talk to two groups of people. One are the people who need to, get, who need to find a place of peace with God. And the other is going to be for folks, we just need the peace of God right where we are. So let me talk to those of you who maybe have never come to a relationship of peace with God. You may have been trying for years and years simply to be good enough. And maybe only just now you're realizing it's never going to happen. Maybe you've been around Christian faith a lot of your life. Maybe you know a lot of believers, and maybe you've observed them. Maybe some of them inspired you, and maybe some of them disappointed you. But I simply want to ask this question. Is today your day to bring nothing else but your faith, nothing else but your belief into the relationship and say, God, I want to trust what Jesus did on the cross as a payment for my sin. And I want to enter into a lifelong relationship of trust and faith in you. And I'm going to choose to believe today that that's going to bring me to a place of peace with God. If that's you, and you want to experience that today, I want to invite you to pray with me in just a moment. I'd actually like everyone to go ahead and close your eyes and bow your heads. In just a moment, I'm going to pray with whoever wants me to pray with them about coming to faith in Jesus Christ and making my relationship right with God. But I'd love to know who I am praying with and praying for. And so if that's you, today you want to say yes, you never have before. This is a new thing. You're saying, it's my day. It's my time. I need to be made right with God, and I believe that Jesus is the way. If that's you, just real quickly uh, lift your hand up in the air and then down so that I can see it. Yep. And uh, I'll be praying with you in just a moment. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Fantastic. Many. All right. Heavenly Father, you see these hands, and they represent hearts that have come to a place of faith in you. God, we are going to stop trusting in our own efforts and stop trying to be good enough. 
we simply acknowledge that we are broken, sinful people. But God, we're asking you to forgive us for the very specific things that we've done wrong, the very places which, in which we fail. We don't claim our own merits. We don't claim our own efforts. We simply say, God, you're offering forgiveness and I'm accepting it. I place my faith in Jesus Christ. I trust what he did on the cross and I'm declaring today my faith in him so that I can move forward spending the rest of my life as a follower of his. And I believe that because of that, God, you're redeeming me, that you're making my heart clean, that you're growing within me the ability to overcome the power of sin and to become someone who pleases you more and more each day. But it all starts with that faith, and I declare that faith today in Jesus' name. For those of you who prayed that prayer, it is the fantastic start to a magnificent journey, and we're going to be happy to participate in that with you along the way. Now I want to ask a different group of people about your need for God's peace, the peace of God right where you are in your life. And maybe you feel like you're just breaking beneath the weight of the load. You feel like you're one poor decision away from disaster. One one phone call away from the house of cards just collapsing beneath you. One more piece of bad news away from just not being able to deal with it anymore. And you may have tried anything and you may have tried everything just to get through the day under the weight of that burden. I'm asking you today, are you ready to take off the wrong shoes and put on the right shoes simply by appealing to God and asking him to pour out his peace upon you. I'm going to ask you to do two things as I prepare to pray here in the next moment or two. And one is when I ask, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and say, yeah, that's me. But then two, while I pray, I want to ask you to do something physical and tangible that makes your decision to just wait and trust in the peace God wants to give you real. Because sometimes waiting is so passive. So whatever that response is for you, it may be the response of raising your hands while you pray and say, God, I'm I'm just waiting to receive. It may be a response of actually unlacing the shoes that you're wearing and taking them off for just a moment and saying, God, I'm I'm taking off the shoes of trying to fix this myself. I, I need to rely on you and your peace. You may feel like you need to stand or you may need to uh, to do that. But whatever that may be, I encourage you to do maybe just a little bit more than simply sitting. But I'll also say this. If just sitting is all you got, that's fine. That's fine. Is that you? Do you need God's peace? Are you ready today to step away from trying to achieve it your own and, and just entrusting him to give it to you? If that's you, would you raise your hand up in the air? Yeah. All over. All over. God, you see these hands. You see these hearts. And you're deeply familiar with every one of those situations. Holy Spirit, even now, would the breath of your presence flow in, would you begin to gently rain down your peace into our hearts? Would you begin gently to reassure us of your presence and your care? God, would you begin once again to paint us that picture of hope 
and redemption and a, and a stability in you that maybe had been lacking for a long time. God, we're exhausted from trying to get there on our own. We need the peace that only you provide. We need the peace that transcends understanding because it's so powerful, so deep, and so real. And we trust you for it in Jesus' name. And now can I just address all this? I'd like, I'd like us to take just the next few moments to be with the Lord. Let him speak peace to your soul as we quietly reflect. Let him remind you how much he loves you. Let him re-energize your spirit as we take a few peaceful moments in which the God of all peace meets with us and comforts us and speaks to us. Let's spend a few time, a few moments here just with the Lord.
That was great. Next week, we're going to continue to talk about um, the armor of God. We're going to talk about the shield of faith. So I want to invite you to come back, bring a friend with you. If you're new to the church, you'd like to do the First Connect, just a couple moments to hang out. And uh, let me give you a couple ways you can better connect here. Just meet me over here by this monitor. If you need prayer, our prayer team will be over here. And by the way, if you're hungry right now, I know where there's food. Right across the parking lot at our greenhouse, the youth are doing a fundraiser, serving uh, serving uh, hot dogs and potato chips and soda and stuff. And go over and support the youth ministry. Get some kids to camp this year. 